Wordplay, Theater for the Ear and the Imagination, presents an audio play entitled The Diaries of Adam and Eve by Mark Twain. In 1893, the great American humorist Mark Twain wrote a story entitled Extracts from the Diary of Adam, based on the comic premise that the first man kept a diary. This humorous twist on the book of Genesis proved so popular with readers that 12 years later, in 1905, he wrote and published a companion piece entitled Eve's Diary. In our production, we have blended the Diary of Adam together with Eve's Diary to create one performance script so that the observations and comments of each character complement the other. Our actors are Michael Joseph and Kate Joseph. Father Matthew Powell directed the production and adapted the script for audio. And now, The Diaries of Adam and Eve, or What If the First Man and First Woman Had Kept Diaries? Saturday. Dear Diary, I am almost a day old now. I arrived yesterday. This is as it seems to me. And it must be so, because if there was a day before yesterday, I was not there when it happened, or I should remember it. I feel exactly like an experiment. Sunday. Dear Diary, the new creature with the long hair is a good deal in the way. It is always hanging around and following me about. I don't like this. I am not used to company. I wish it would stay with the other animals. Cloudy today, wind in the east. Think we shall have rain. We? Where did I get that word? Oh, I remember now. The new creature uses it. Sunday. Everything looks better today than it did yesterday. In the rush of finishing yesterday, the mountains were left in a ragged condition, and some of the plains were so cluttered with rubbish and remnants that the aspects were quite distressing. Noble and beautiful works of art should not be subjected to haste. And this world is indeed a most noble and beautiful work and certainly marvelously near to being perfect, notwithstanding the shortness of time in creating it. There are too many stars in some places and not enough in others, but that can be remedied presently, no doubt. Monday. The new creature eats too much fruit. The trees are going to run out. Tuesday. I followed the other experiment around yesterday afternoon at a distance to see what it might be for if I could but I was not able to make it out. I think it is a man. I had never seen a man, but it looked like one, and I feel sure that is what it is. I realize that I feel more curiosity about it than any of the other reptiles. It has no hips. It tapers like a carrot. When it stands, it spreads itself apart like a derrick. Maybe it is architecture. I was afraid of it at first and started to run every time it turned around, for I thought it was going to chase me. 
but by and by I found it was only trying to get away. So after that I was not timid anymore, but tracked it along for several hours, about twenty yards behind, which made it nervous and unhappy. At last it was a good deal worried and climbed a tree. I waited a while, then gave up and went home. Sunday. This day is getting to be more and more trying. It was selected and set apart as a day of rest. I had six of them per week already. This morning found the new creature trying to knock apples out of that forbidden tree. Tuesday. It is up in a tree again, resting apparently. It looks to me like a creature that is more interested in resting than anything else. Tuesday. Pulled through. Wednesday. It has low tastes and is not kind. When I went there this morning, it had crept down from the tree and was trying to catch the little speckled fishes that play in the pond. I had to throw a rock at it to make it go up the tree again and leave them alone. One of the rocks hit it in the back of the head. And it used language! I got such a thrill for it was the first time I had ever heard speech except my own. I did not understand the words, but they seemed very expressive. When I found it could talk, I felt a new interest in it, for I love to talk all day and even in my sleep. Wednesday, I wish it would not talk. It is always talking right at my shoulder, right at my ear, and I am only used to sounds that are more or less distant from me. Sunday. All week I tagged after him and tried to get acquainted. I had to do all the talking because he was shy, but I didn't mind. He seemed pleased to have me around, and I used the sociable we a good deal because it seemed to flatter him to be included. Thursday. It told me it was made out of a rib taken from my body. <laughs> this is doubtful. I have not missed any rib. Monday. This morning I told him my name hoping it would interest him. But he did not care for it. If he should tell me his name, I would care. I think it would be pleasanter to my ears than any other sound. Monday. The new creature says its name is Eve, says it is to call it by when I want it to come. I said then it was superfluous. The word evidently raised me in its respect. And indeed, it is a large, good word and will bear repetition. It says it is not an it. It is a she. That is doubtful. Yet it is all one to me. What she is is nothing to me. If she would just go by herself and not talk. Tuesday. He took no interest in my name. I tried to hide my disappointment, but I suppose I did not succeed. I went away and sat by the pond and looked at the image in the water it is where I go when I hunger for companionship, someone to look at, someone to talk to. It is not enough, but it is something. Sunday, a good deal of fog this morning. I do not go out in the fog myself. The new creature does. It goes out in all weathers and stumps right in with its muddy feet and talks. Wednesday. We are getting along very well indeed now and getting better and better acquainted. He does not try to avoid me anymore, which is a good sign and shows that he likes to have me with him. Friday. She has taken to beseeching me to stop going over the waterfalls. What harm does it do? She does not like it. 
I wonder why. What I need is a change of scenery. Wednesday. During the last day or two, I have taken all the work of naming things off his hands, and this has been a great relief to him, for he has no gift in that area and is evidently very grateful. He can't think of a rational name to save himself, but I do not let him see that I am aware of his defect. Whenever a new creature comes along, I name it before he has a chance to expose his ignorance by an awkward silence. The minute I set eyes on an animal, I know what it is. When the dodo came along, he thought it was a wild cat. I saw it in his eyes. But I saved him. I just spoke up in a quite natural way with pleased surprise and said, Well, I do declare if that isn't the dodo. Wednesday. I get no chance to name anything myself. The new creature names everything that comes along before I can get in a protest. And always that same pretext is offered. It looks like the thing. There's the dodo, for instance. Says the moment one looks at it, one can see at a glance that it looks like the dodo. Dodo? It looks no more like the dodo than I do. Friday. Yesterday, he avoided me and seemed to wish I would not talk to him. I could not believe it, for I love to be with him and love to hear him talk. How could it be that he could be unkind toward me when I had not done anything? When night came, I went to the new shelter he has built to ask him what I have done and how I could mend it and get back his kindness again. But he put me out in the rain, and it was my first sorrow. Friday. Built me a shelter against the rain but could not have it to myself in peace. The new creature intruded. When I tried to put it out, it shed water out of the holes it looks with, wiped it away with the back of its paws, and made a noise such as some of the other animals make when they are in distress. She has taken up with the snake now. The snake talks. I foresee trouble. I may emigrate. Sunday. It is pleasant again, and I am happy, but those were heavy days. I tried to give him some of those apples, but I cannot learn to throw straight. I failed, but I think the good intention pleased him. The apples are forbidden, and he says I shall come to harm. Monday. She fell into the pond yesterday when she was looking at herself in it, which she is always doing. She nearly strangled and said it was most uncomfortable. This made her feel sorry for the creatures who live in the water, which she calls fish. For she continues to fasten name onto things that don't need them and don't come when you call them by the name anyway. So she got a lot of the fish out of the water and brought them in last night and put them in our bed to keep them warm. But I have noticed them now and then all day, and I don't see that they are any happier here than they were before in the water. Only quieter. Tuesday. I learned a number of things, and I am educated now. I used to be ignorant. At first, it used to vex me, because with all my watching, I was never smart enough to be around when the water was running uphill. But now I do not mind it. I have experimented and experimented, until now I know it never runs uphill. It is best to prove things by actual experiment. Then you know. Whereas if you depend on guessing and supposing and conjecturing, you will never be educated. Wednesday. 
About an hour after sunup, I was walking through a flowery plain where thousands of animals were grazing, slumbering and playing, when all of a sudden they broke into a tempest of frightful noises. And in one moment, the plain was in a frantic commotion, and every beast was destroying its neighbor. I knew what it meant. Eve had eaten that fruit, and death had come into the world. I looked up, and there was Eve. I was not sorry she came, for there were but meager pickings there, and she had brought me some of the apples. I was obliged to eat them. I was so hungry. It was against my principles, but I find that principles have no real force, except when one is well fed. She came curtained in boughs and bunches of leaves. When I asked her what she meant by such nonsense and snatched them away and threw them down, she blushed. I had never seen a person blush before, and to me it seemed unbecoming and idiotic. She said I myself would soon know why it was thus. This was correct. Hungry as I was, I laid down the apple, half eaten, certainly the best one I ever ate considering the lateness of the season, and arrayed myself in the discarded boughs and branches. Afterward, we crept down to where the wild beast battle had been and collected some skins. She patched together a couple of suits for proper for public occasions. They are uncomfortable, it is true, but stylish. And that is the main point about clothes. Friday. I tried once more to persuade him to stop going over the falls. I discovered a new feeling, quite new and distinctly different from love, grief, and others which I had already discovered. Fear. And it is horrible. Saturday. I find she is a good deal of a companion. I see I should be lonesome and depressed without her. Another thing, she says it is ordered that we work for our living hereafter. She will be useful. I will superintend. Sunday. Trying to find out things is so interesting, and it is delightful to have it that way. If there wasn't anything to find out, the world would be dull indeed. Monday. I have come to like Sunday myself. Superintending all week tires a body so. There ought to be more Sundays. In the old days, they were tough, but now they come in handy. Tuesday. Adam talks very little. Perhaps it is because he is not very bright and is sensitive about it and wishes to conceal it. Wednesday. She is in much trouble with the vulture. She says grass does not agree with it. She thinks it was intended to live on decaying flesh. Decaying flesh! I say the vulture must get along the best it can with what is provided. We cannot overturn the whole scheme of things just to accommodate the vulture. Thursday. I do love the moon. It is so pretty and so romantic. I wish we had five or six. The stars are good, too. I wish I had some to put in my hair. Seven months later. She has named it Cain. I think she must have caught it while I was up country trapping. It resembles us in some ways and may be a relation. That is what she thinks. But it is an error in my judgment. The difference in size warrants the conclusion that it is a different and new kind of animal, a fish perhaps, though when I put it in the water to see, it sank. She plunged in and snatched it out before there was an opportunity for the experiment to determine the matter. 
I still think it is a fish. Monday. The birds and animals all talk, and they all talk to me. But it must be a foreign language, however, because I cannot make out a word they say. Four months later. Cain goes a few steps on its hind legs and then falls down. It is probably some kind of bear. Yet it has no tail as yet and no fur, except on its head. It still keeps on growing. I examine its mouth. There is no danger yet. It has only one tooth. But I shall not be satisfied to have it crawling around the place much longer without a muzzle on. Saturday. Adam calls the flowers rubbish and cannot tell one from another. He does not care for flowers. He does not care for the painted sky at eventide. Is there anything he does care for except building shacks to coop himself up from the good, clean rain and thumping the melons and sampling grapes and fingering the fruit on the trees? Friday. She is all interest, eagerness, and vivacity. The world to her is a charm, a wonder, a mystery, a joy. If there is anything on the planet she is not interested in, it is not on my list. Nothing ever satisfies her but demonstration. Untested theories are not in her line, and she won't have them. Friday. Fire is beautiful. I think someday it will be useful. Friday. When the mighty Brontosaurus came striding into camp, she regarded it as an acquisition. I considered it a calamity. That is a good sample of the lack of harmony that prevails in our views of things. She wanted to domesticate the Brontosaurus. She believed it could be tamed by kind treatment and would be a good pet. I said a pet 21 feet high and 84 feet long would not be a proper thing to have about the place. Even with the best intentions and meaning no harm, it could sit down on the house and mash it. For anyone could see by the look in its eye that it is not very bright. But her heart was set on having the monster and she wouldn't give it up. She thought if we could make it friendly, it could stand in the river and act as a bridge. It turned out that the brontosaurus was plenty friendly. Every time she got him properly placed in the river and tried to cross over him, he turned around and tried to follow her. Like a pet mountain. Sunday. At first, I couldn't make out what I was made for, but now I think it is to search out the secrets of this wonderful world and be happy and to thank the giver of all good things for devising it. I think there are many things to learn yet. I hope so. Tuesday. Tigers ate our house, paying no attention when I ordered them to desist. And they would have eaten me if I had stayed, which I didn't. Thursday. When you cast up a feather, it sails away in the air and goes out of sight. Then you throw up a rock, and it doesn't. It comes down every time. I have tried and tried it, but it is always so. I wonder why that is. Eight months later, I have been off hunting and fishing for a month. In the meantime, without stirring from home, she has caught another one. She calls it Abel. I never saw such luck. I might have hunted the woods for a hundred years and never come across one. I have been comparing the new one with the old one, and it is perfectly plain they are of the same breed. The old one is tamer than it was and can laugh and talk like a parrot, 
having learned this, no doubt, from being around the parrot so much, I shall not be astonished if it turns out to be a new kind of parrot. Wednesday. At noon, I stopped work for the day and ate my lunch. Apples, of course. Then I took my recreation by flitting about with the butterflies and birds and reveling in the flowers, those beautiful creatures that catch the smile of God out of the sky and preserve it. Seven years later. They are boys! We found it out a while ago. It was their coming in that small, immature shape that puzzled us. Abel is a good boy, but if Cain had remained a bear, it would have been an improvement. Friday. The garden is lost. But I have found him and am content. He loves me as well as he can. I love him with all my strength. If I ask myself why I love him, I find I do not know. I love certain birds because of their song. But I do not love Adam on account of his singing. His singing sours the milk. Yet I ask him to sing because I wish to learn to like everything he is interested in. Sunday. I think I could enjoy looking at her. Indeed, I am sure I could. For I am beginning to realize that she is a quite remarkably comely creature. Rounded, shapely, graceful. Once, when she was standing marble white and sun-drenched on a boulder, watching the flight of a bird, I recognize that she is beautiful. Monday. It is not because of Adam's gracious and considerate ways that I love him. It is not on account of his chivalry. No, he lacks in those regards. But he is well enough, so, and improving. At bottom, he is good, and I love him for that. But I could love him without that. He is strong and handsome, and I love him for that. But if he were plain, I should love him. He is as God made him, and that is sufficient. This kind of love is not a product of reasoning and statistics. It just comes. None knows whence and cannot explain itself and doesn't need to. Ten years later. After all these years... I see that I was mistaken about Eve in the beginning. At first, I thought she talked too much. But now I should be sorry to have that voice fall silent and pass out of my life. Twenty years later. It is my prayer. It is my longing that we may pass from this life together. A longing which shall never perish from the earth, but shall have a place in the heart of every wife and husband who loves until the end of time. At Eve's grave, wheresoever she was, there was Eden. ¶¶